Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle Frank and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. Not always, but on occasion, it is good to be wrong. Yes, good to be wrong. Welcome in on a Friday. It's Fantasy Sports Daily. Kyle Alfred Gray Flowers hanging out with you for uh, pretty well close to a full hour as we get you set for the upcoming week of football. What was I so wrong about? Ray was wrong too. Um, last night's game, Ray, was not the worst football game I've ever seen. It, it wasn't spectacular by any stretch, but I got to say, they almost got to 40 points. I, I wouldn't have made that bet. Uh, the first half was like Bill's Chiefs. The, the second half was, was much like, more Steelers-Patriots, wasn't yeah, it? <laughs> it certainly was. Uh, it was great to see there actually be um, some solid play, some <laughs> fantasy production. Overall, was it a great game? No, but it did best our expectations, which admittedly were very, very low. Yeah, the other surprise is that coming out of that game between New England and Pittsburgh, you're like, wow, the Patriots showed a lot more than the Steelers. And the Steelers are still playing for something. Uh, but I got to say, it didn't really look like it last night against the Patriots. Yes, indeed, we will recap Thursday night football here on Fantasy Sports Daily, as we always do on a Friday. And then we look ahead to the remainder of the weekend. Uh, our good friend Tyler Beaker is uh, set to join us coming up in about 15 minutes or so. So we'll get some of his thoughts on uh, what he likes for this week. Tyler always uh, puts out a column, a couple of columns, in fact, uh, that takes a look at the wide receiver position from a DFS perspective. He also kind of digs in. Uh, to positive matchups, wide receiver versus cornerbacks for the weekend to come. So we'll pick his brain on a few of those items. Might help you as you build your DFS lineups. Get you some news and notes as well. Um, Austin Eckler, for all of you suffering through his 2023, it may get worse. It could. I don't know. We'll see. I thought we were at rock bottom. Maybe not. We'll talk about the Chargers and their plans for Eckler in the month of December. Uh, of course, we'll run through some injuries. Seattle's backfield uh, might need to worry about Isaiah Pacheco going into that game against the Bills. Uh, let's see. Brees Hall, Amari Cooper. Some big names that we will talk about there. And we will sneak in a little baseball because we might, according to some reporting, have a Shohei Atani decision today, sometime this weekend. And the expectation, Ray is when that decision happens, the dam kind of breaks. And, and we see a lot of movement in free agency. Yeah, I said there's a, there is a, some sleuthing going on. Riggs' friend on Twitter X, this is via Paul Bruno, uh, said there was a private jet chartered from Anaheim to Toronto, which is not mm -hmm. a normal flight. <laughs> okay, That doesn't come up very often, Kyle. So maybe... That's a precursor to a deal later today. We'll see. I like that. I, I, the Blue Jays thing, people are like, what? I kind of get it, Ray. Mm -hmm. I kind of do. Um, their window maybe has two years left. I could see them giving Otani like 50 million a year and letting him opt out after two years. You know, something like that. Maybe they'll say, hey, instead of paying up for Vlad and Bichette in the future, we'll go the Otani route. Um, you know, the selling factor is Toronto might be, I, I don't know, I guess in a league with New York and Los Angeles and San Francisco, but Toronto Ray can make the case. They're the most international city in all of baseball. Uh, gotcha. there, there actually is some salesmanship that you can do uh, to, to a lot of Shohei Atani's countrymen when you put them in Toronto. 
Yeah, and that was the hope also in, in California, right? You're closer to Japan. You know, there's a lot of, there's a, a blended community here, obviously, in California as well. But Toronto is the same way, very international city. Uh, obviously, the, the team is also that way as well. It's not just the, the yeah. fan base. So, yeah, I mean, it on the surface seems like, why? But when you start thinking about it, there are obviously ties that make sense there, Kyle. And I said it a week ago. I don't even know if it's legal, but to give them some ownership in Rogers communication. That's how you make it work. You get to own a behemoth in media. <laughs> Who else can offer that? Maybe the Braves could, if it's even legal. I, I don't know if it is. Uh, but let's start with football, Ray. Uh, we'll get to the baseball in a bit, but we begin with football. We begin with Thursday night football. And I mentioned that first half was um, I, I, maybe extraordinary is overselling it. But, Ray, the fact that Bailey Zappi had three touchdowns at the half, it's like <laughs> of all the unexpected things this season in football, that's probably in the top ten. Like the first half, Bailey Zappi throwing for three touchdowns, two of them to Hunter Henry. Now, again, there was nothing after the first half. All we really saw in this game was like Zeke Elliott, time after time after time, nearly 30 touches for Zeke Elliott in that win last night. 29, yeah. And um, he averaged a whopping 3.1 yards of carry and a cloud of dust. Uh, he was heavily involved as a pass catcher. He led the team, obviously, with seven catches for 72 yards in the score. So he was a huge payoff in the fantasy space, non-PPR or PPR. Yeah. Um, either way, it worked out for, for Ezekiel Elliott, folks. But, yeah, the, the game was, I mean, Hunter Henry, like, come on, man. Like, Hunter Henry's done this a couple of times this year, and he's he hasn't been part of the offense for a month and a half. It's just, uh, it's interesting. But the Patriots, I mean, you look at the Patriots box score, it's about this big. <laughs> about this big. Like, they've got... No, nothing. They've got nothing and nobody. They had one running back last night. Technically, Ty Montgomery, technically, you know, hybrid running back wide receiver. It was basically Ezekiel Elliott on every play. Uh, and like you said, Zappi had a strong first half and then they shut her down in the second half. Yeah, they had, what, three receivers, I guess you could say. None of them did much of anything. On, on Henry, um, I looked at it because I just wanted to be reminded of this. If you go all the way back to weeks one and two, Hunter Henry in the first two weeks had 11 catches and two touchdowns. If you even include last night, which was week 14, even including last night, remember, 11 catches, two touchdowns in the first two weeks. Ray, uh, now in his last 11, 24 catches and three touchdowns. Now, five touchdowns, I guess you'll take it, but 35 catches for the season. <clears throat> tough, tough to play that. Tough to start it. Tough to chase it. I, I mean, I'm not really chasing it with Henry. With, with Zeke, you know, this is a classic quantity argument, Ray. I... I don't see it changing much. And Ramondre Stevenson, I don't know if we'll see him again this season. I think that's highly questionable. Now, can you expect 25-plus touches every week? No, but you kind of look at the Patriots, and you know they haven't invested anything in Zeke. It's a one-year contract. It's like, use them. Might as well use it. it, it it's going to be – if you include last night, I will make the bet here, Ray. Rest of the season, he averages 23, 24 touches a week which is nutso. Like, that's Derrick Henry in his prime, those kind of touches. But I think it's actually doable for Zeke, which to me, and, and you run into danger with the scoreboard, and if the Patriots are down 31 to 14, you know, well, God, they would never get 14 points, but 31 to 3, what, what are they doing? But I, I almost feel like, Ray, if you got Zeke, he, he's going to be an RB2 for a lot of people down the stretch here in the fantasy playoffs. I, I, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I my one quibble would be like Ramondre Stevenson is inarguably better than Ezekiel at this point. Elliott had seven catches last night. 
season high for Stevenson is six. Like, why mm-hmm. why didn't we get that usage from Stevenson? Like, you know, why why are we giving 13 touches a week to Zeke Elliott so he can give you those 3.2 yards? Like, I wish they would have been a little stronger with Stevenson. But to your point, I think if, if Ezekiel Elliott was down, Stevenson would be getting 23 touches a week. So I agree with you. I think there's huge volume here. Now, the, the difference is the touchdown, and there have not been a lot of touchdowns for the Patriots in the running game, of course. So you can't count on that. But even if we remove that, if Elliott's got a floor of 15 carries and he's got a floor of five catches, you're still looking at 75 yards, even if it's not any good, right, which plays in a PPR setup a lot of times. So, yeah, it's – it's a volume-based argument here. He got more volume last night than I'm expecting. I'm not, I wouldn't expect him to be 23. I'd say 18 to 20. Okay. But he's going to have a huge workload relative to running backs 2023, I think, regardless. And and I think for the most part, he was about the only guy people were starting last night. So you call that a win. Um, Zappy, for me, I don't really care. I mean, good job for a half. And then he did nothing in the second half. So I, I think Bailey Zappy was kind of uh, misleading. I, I think the major pain or maybe even the major takeaway last night, Ray is Pittsburgh. Um, nothing. I, I almost felt like they scaled things back with Mitch Trubisky. Which I was surprised by. Then they, yeah, it, it was, they were so protective. It's, it's almost like they didn't have the killer instinct to go out and just take over and win the game. It's almost like they thought they could win the game by just showing up, you know, and, and I know that's, old-fashioned, you know, bravado and talk, you know, oh, you can't just show up. But I kind of felt that with the Steelers. And and for fantasy purposes, Ray, the, the receivers, I okay, sure, we got a Deontay Johnson touchdown, but that was a very quiet game for him. George Pickens is, you know, almost making more headlines by screaming and complaining and moaning about plays and actually making plays. He's totally uninvolved the last month and a half pretty well. And the backfield. The, the backfield last night, Ray, was kind of the shocker to me. Now, Pittsburgh, New England has a good defense, but the, the Steelers just could not get anything going. Harris got more work again. I mean, Harris is, is the guy that you prefer, but both guys, Warren and Harris, deserve to start. But last night, a debacle for those guys. You, you can't be happy with how either of those two performed last night. Yeah, I mean, personally, I had, you know, my decision this week was uh, Jalen Warren or A.J. Dillon. And uh, mm-hmm. it looks like I made the wrong decision, which is hey, surprising. You Warren because Dylan's still iffy, if you want yeah, to call Yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, I made, I made the right choice. It just didn't work out. But I think it's interesting. Uh, two two things here. One, and this is over PFF. They do the snap count thing that I always have in my articles on uh, my review that comes out every Thursday. Uh, they ran seven plays of Steelers last night with both running backs on the field. The last time they ran it twice in a game was week seven. So for some yeah. reason, they looked at the Patriots and this good defense and said, let's give more running backs. Let's do both these guys in the backfield, which is not something they normally do, which speaks to your point of being a little more conservative. Uh, secondly, and I was in Discord yesterday for about an hour before the game started, and it was Harris Pickens, Harris Pickens, Harris Pickens, Harris, 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 Harris. Every question was Harris. And I eventually said, look, folks, you got to understand this offense is not good. The matchup is a difficult one. If you don't want to play Najee Harris, don't play Najee Harris. Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you you have to play Najee Harris. And I, I, it's just, it's fascinating to me. Like everyone, everyone has him on their team because we told them to draft him. So I will give mm-hmm. everyone credit for listening to us because we said draft Harris didn't work out, but you have to understand that, you know, this is week 14 of the football season and it's a difficult matchup with a backup quarterback. And we had Najee Harris ranked 29th this week or whatever it was like this. Mm-hmm. I was shocked by the volume of people that were considering playing him. Cause again, I didn't, I, I didn't even play him. I have in the league, in that league, I have Warren and Dylan. I also have Harris. I left Harris on the bench. I played Warren last night. So. I was surprised by that. I mean, he's got, what are we at? 195 
touches mm -hmm. through 13 games. Uh, so what is that? I mean, 14, 15 touches a week. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know he's not doing much. And I know other people maybe have established other options. But quite simply, Ray, for me, 14 to 15 touches is usually startable. Now, I know we'd all like to think, well, he hasn't done anything. I've got better running backs to turn to. And, you know, if it's uh, Jerome Ford or Alexander Madison, or maybe you've got the question mark with Kenneth Walker, or you're looking at James Conner. I, I, I can understand people bailing on Harris, but I still believe it's tough to sit. Even in this matchup, I think it's a little difficult to sit him when you got a pretty good route to 15 touches every week with Harris. Well, and I would say this, Harris is a top 30 running back right now in a PPR setup, which speaks to Kyle's point. That means he's a flex option, right? Um, the reason I was, again, why I didn't play him and why I wasn't like telling everyone, I told a few people to play him last night. I'm not going to mm -hmm. say I didn't say that, but the reason I wasn't pushing him as a play is because one, he had the knee issue. We weren't quite sure. Yeah. It turns out that was nothing. He played more snaps and everything, like you said, than Warren. So it was no issue. He didn't look bad. So that really wasn't an issue. But then the second one was the matchup. And honestly, the third ones, they got Mitch Trubisky, and you never quite know. I thought it'd be better. It wasn't. But I didn't. You don't know that for certain versus, you know, Pickett. So uh, the, the the best case scenario last night would have would have been the, you know, 71 yards of offense from Harrison to touchdown. You know, that's, that was best case scenario in that matchup last night. He just didn't get the touchdown. So he was, again, just going to be a moderate play. And it turned out Warren, who I thought might get five catches – because they wouldn't be effective running the football. He didn't do that either. Uh, with Pickens, we don't even have a guy with 50 catches yet this season. He's played in every single game. Uh, he has three touchdowns. Per catch, it's actually pretty good, about 16 yards of reception, which he'll take. We know the reason why, for the most part, Ray, is this offense um, was stuck with Kenny Pickett, was stuck with Matt Canada. Um, all of those good vibes from August when we said, well, maybe, maybe the Steelers will have something offensively. Remember that? Like there, there were people looking at the preseason numbers and the preseason moments and saying, wow, the Steelers could become a little more pass heavy. And we even talked about that, uh, leading up to the season. I didn't necessarily buy it. I thought they'd be better. They've been awful, but here we are now, Ray. Um, you know, for some people it's, it's the playoffs. Uh, you had this game last night, week 15 starts your postseason. Pickens is really tough to even consider starting. Same with Deontay Johnson, even with the touchdown. If it's going to be Trubisky under center or even Pickett, it's tough to call either of those guys even wide receiver threes at this juncture, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that, you know, we've seen the volatility with Deontay Johnson, right? And for whatever reason, he has been... You know, we've seen him catch six passes multiple games in a row. We've seen him struggle to get 50 yards, right? Like, he's been oddly used, right? I think the Pickens call is frustrating and disappointing because we have seen this from Pickens routinely, okay? And what I mean by that is chuck a ball up, watch him high point the football over somebody else, 22-yard gain first down. Like, he can, he can make special catches. He just can. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they don't try that, you know, just throw it up and give him a chance to make a play, which is probably why he's so pissed off because his entire life, whoever his coach has been or quarterback has been from when he's six years old, the coach has said, throw the ball to this guy and he'll go up. And, and they're not giving him the chance to do that. And, you know, this is the fourth, the third time in four games, he's caught four passes, which in theory, okay, right? One of those games he's had 40 yards. Like there's nothing here to your point. So uh, Pickens has been a disappointment because of the offense. 
because of the way they run things, because of the way they utilize things, things take a totally different turn. If the offense were to change, they would get a different quarterback, a new OC. But for now, to your point, he's an extremely difficult play because he's just not a significant part of this offense. And and it's wild to look back. I, you almost forget about this because we've now had like two months of just blah numbers from Pickens. But the first month and a half, Ray, in the first six games, he had three games over 100 yards. You know, he was making five, six catches a week. And then it just gone. And, and I remember coming out of that week six, I, I made a, a, a mention of it. I, I pointed it out. It's like, wow, kudos to George Pickens, who is racking up yardage in this very blah and vanilla offense with a, you know, relatively bad quarterback. It was like, wow, he's really doing things. Ever since I stated that, Ray, it's nothing. It's like he's just disappeared. And I, I, you know the offense understands what they have with him. And it's weird to say, well, they they knew how to use it through six weeks. And now they have no idea how to use it with George Pickens. And and that does come down. I get it. The quarterbacks suck and, and so on and so forth. But it's like he's not even getting targets. So those first six weeks, here were, here were the target totals. Seven, ten, six. Seven, ten, eight. That's really strong through the six weeks. Here are the target totals since. Five, five, four, six, five, five, six. Ray, they used him a ton in the first six weeks, and then they just stopped for the last two months. Yeah, if you take his pace the first six games and give him 17 games of that pace, he'd end up with 77 catches, 1,416 yards, and six touchdowns. High-end wide receiver two. And now I don't even know if he's a wide receiver three. He's probably a four. Yeah. And, and I think that it's amazing that the offense has changed that dramatically, one. And two, to your point, I mean, think about that, right? Like he's had one – he hasn't had a seven-target game since. And Kyle went to the number, seven, ten, seven, ten, eight. Yeah. He hasn't had a seven-target game since. They have Not one time they've seen a matchup where they said, we like to throw the ball seven times to our most explosive offensive player when we don't have Pat Fryermuth, who's out on the sidelines. We've got a middling running game. Like not one time? That to me is a coaching mistake. Um, or at least it's it's got to be drilled into the quarterback. Said, hey, man, if that guy's covered, you still got to throw him the football because we can't move it through the air consistently unless we have him involved. 21 to 18, uh, the final there. Um, Steelers were down early. Uh, Patriots held on late. And that is that. Uh, like I said, a little bit better than I would have guessed on a Thursday night. Uh, but now that leads us with the rest of the weekend, a very important weekend. I should point out if you've got questions, already a few of them are coming in. Um, in regards to this weekend, we will get to those before we sign out of here on a Friday. So if you want to send in any questions, uh, by all means, send them to Ray and I, and we'll get you some answers coming up in a bit. Tyler Beaker is going to join us in a few moments. Before we go in that direction, Ray, real quickly, uh, the LA Chargers, which uh, anytime we bring them up this year, it's usually with disappointment in our eyes and, and a letdown in our voice, uh, which leads us to Austin Eckler. Uh, the numbers have been bad. The results have been bad. Um, yeah, I missed a couple of weeks with an injury, but overall he's been out there. Now we're hearing as we go into the stretch run, and the Chargers are nearly eliminated. What are they, five and seven going into this weekend? Um, we're, we're hearing that there will be a competition for carries. At least that's what we're hearing from Brandon Staley, who is uh, one of the more infuriating coaches uh, to deal with, I think, in, in all of football. Everybody's kind of wondering how in the hell does this guy still have a job? He does. And yesterday, Ray, he's like, 
yeah, we're, we're, we're going to at least look at other things or, you know, there's going to be a competition where that has not been the case for three or four years. If Eckler's been out there, he's the guy. But this season, there are no numbers. There are no results. There is no efficiency. There are no catches. It's really alarming how quickly this has fallen off with Eckler. And it's another reminder of this position. This is why these guys don't get paid. For whatever reason, they disappear in a snap. Austin Eckler doesn't think he's disappearing, Kyle. <laughs> is that is that from Austin Eckler? <laughs> That's from Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler on Yahoo Sports said his fantasy playoff running backs top four, CMC, Alvin Kamara, Travis Etienne, and number four is Austin Eckler. I, I'm so, kind of worried, though, Ray. Shouldn't shouldn't Austin Eckler put himself at number one? <laughs> well, you might maybe he just talked to his head coach and said he's not going to give him the football, and so he had to downgrade I himself. So, man. Uh, yeah, Eckler says he's number four, even though his head coach just came out and said we're going to start doing <laughs> other things. Um, and I wrote there's a coffin corner piece that comes up every Friday at fantasyguru.com. You can use that promo code FSD20 for a discount there. And uh, every Friday, that article is about numbers and such. And I point out in the article that Austin Eckler is averaging 0.56 touchdowns a game this year. The last two seasons, the number is 1.15. So he's not even averaging half as many touchdowns a game this year as he has the last two years. We know the rushing numbers are in the toilet. We know he's not utilizing the passing game like he once was. And to be honest, he looks kind of sluggish out there. So I don't necessarily blame the coaching staff for wanting to get Kelly more involved in, in the running game, anything like that. But they have misused Eckler. We, and we've talked about this since the preseason. It was likely to happen. And it's played out that way, Kyle. And he's not getting in the end zone. And therefore, his numbers are really struggling. And I'm not going to base this statement off of Austin Eckler's rankings, but uh, he still has to start this week. Like Absolutely. 100%. You have to. 100%. Yeah, PPR, non-PPR. You got to be playing Austin Eckler. And I, I know it's painful and you're like, what the hell? Look at the results. But you have to. Uh, Chargers going to be up against Denver. Must win for both those teams in that late window on Sunday. Okay, let's dig in a bit more into Sunday and get the takes of uh, one of our favorites, Tyler Beaker, is back with us here on Fantasy Sports Daily. Uh, you can find all his work, of course, at FantasyGuru.com. The giant uh, you know, game script article will drop tomorrow, which will look at the very busy weekend and uh, some of the uh, tidbits and thoughts that Tyler has going into the weekend. Uh, he's also got pieces this week on wide receivers and the like. So we'll kind of dig into all this, Tyler. It's great to see you again. Welcome back to the uh, pod here. And I guess I'll start with the Chargers. I don't know how much you heard of our discussion there with Eckler and kind of the decision that maybe or maybe he's going to have to earn carries down the stretch. But this is a team that has had Herbert all season. They've had Eckler most of the season. Uh, they are outside the top 10 in scoring, which you would think, you know, Keenan Allen, these guys should be top 10. They're not. When you look at the Chargers from pace of play, game script, how they're calling plays, what do you see with LA? What's kind of the issue with the, with the lack of results from this team this season? In short, it's been injuries. I mean, this team right now, like they've got Austin Eckler, who's week one, he had that high ankle sprain. He had 16 carries for 117 yards in the opener. We really haven't seen him come close to that level of production since then. He had a high ankle sprain where like most players, it takes between like a month to six weeks. He came back in three weeks. So like he really rushed back his return. And I don't think we've ever seen him fully at a hundred percent since then because of that, the rushing production has been next to nothing. Like he's averaging like probably under 50 yards per game right now. Um, he's just a routine bet on the under on that prop. Uh, the early loss of big Mike Williams. I think that's also huge in terms of like giving them uh, lighter boxes to run against. 
like I don't think their game plan entering the season was for a 31 year old Keenan Allen to almost contend for the receiving title in every category. <laughs> like he's just four catches away from breaking his record in terms of most receptions in the season. And we still have like five weeks to go. So mm. throwing Quentin Johnson in the fire, who was a player they always viewed as a project player, um, kind of hurt their outlook. Having a guy like Josh Palmer with an IR stint didn't help. There's just so many issues offensively in terms of injuries. And then the defense hasn't really done their part either. They can't stop the pass. They can't provide a consistent pass rush. And the run defense has been beatable all year. So it's just been a, a down season. And uh, Chargers are just squeaking by to the end. That's why they might need a new head coach. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. I think we've all said it. Um, Tyler, you do a lot of work on all topics, obviously. But you also focus on the wide receivers for a lot of your work, especially in the DFS space. I wanted to ask you about the Tampa Bay Falcon game because, you know, Drake London and Chris Godwin were two guys that were drafted without elite expectations, but they were people that, you know, two guys that folks said, these guys are going to be in my lineup every week, right? You're going to catch five or six passes, give me 70 yards, we'll get some touchdowns. Godwin wasn't even, I, I didn't even catch a pass last week. We've seen London do that this year as well. Where are we at this week with Godwin in London? Do we start these guys if we're in a 12-team league with three wide receivers or not? That's a tough question, especially with the Godwin angle. He's battled a low ceiling all season, clearing 60 yards just three times. He did notably have a season-high 12 targets in this previous game against the Falcons. So if you want to hang your hat on that, maybe that's what you do. But, I mean, this is really just centered around Mike Evans. He's just been absolutely dominant. Um, rumors of his demise have been uh, premature, uh, written by myself. I took the under on his <laughs> 1,000 yards. Big whiff by me. Uh, <laughs> Shout-out to Baker Mayfield for exceeding all expectations uh he is currently um was it qb14 in epa per play just playing quality ball very very surprised by mayfield's production but it's really just been rashad white and mike evans who have been the heavy hitters here with godwin really taking a backseat so he's still in that like wide receiver three wide receiver four kind of border that you're not confident starting uh the game total here is only four to one point so I mean, with only two teams on bye, I wouldn't be rushing to play Godwin. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that. Uh, the matchup is fine, though. And like I said, the 12 targets the previous game, if you want to really like lean on it. But Drake London, I think he could be a guy that could be in for a better matchup. We've got Jamel Dean, the cornerback for the Bucks, battling an ankle and foot injury. Carlton Davis, their other cornerback, he's been battling injuries all season as well. It's not really a challenging matchup, and they are top 10 in production allowed to first reads. So Drake London currently leads his team in first read share. Uh, I think for that reason, we could see some uh, a usable game by London. But again, he's kind of like more in that wide receiver two, three range where the the fact that like Desmond Ritter over the last two games uh, since his return, 52% completion rate. They're yeah. just not trusting this guy. They're, they're, they're running the ball relentlessly for good reason. Um, and the Bucks defense, they're going to be without. Vita Vey, uh, Devin White, both these guys are DNPs back to back to start the week. Uh, we'll see Friday's injury report for sure, but that could be a big Bijan game where just the overall pass volume is going to limit opportunities for London as well. I love the look of disdain in Kyle's face there. Oh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's like it's great that he has a good matchup with Drake London, but he's still dealing with Desmond Ritter, and that's uh, that's probably the the issue as I see. It. Go ahead, Ray. Okay, with the Rams and the and the Ravens, uh, Tyler, it's not as simple as saying Kyron Williams is back and the offense is fixed for the Rams, but he's returned. He's done great things. Uh, Matthew Stafford, who was basically going for you know 220 yards and a touchdown every week, all of a sudden now had two games in a row where he's exploded. He's got seven passing scores in two games. Uh, we don't know the health necessarily of Cooper Cup. We don't necessarily know with Puka Nakua. 
Uh, and then it's the Ravens. So where are we at this week with that Rams offense and what seems to be on paper a difficult matchup going to Baltimore? Yeah, they're doing the West Coast to East Coast thing. Um, they're coming off a game where they played 70-plus plays against the Cleveland Brown defense. So this could be a tired defense showing up where we've got rain and weather and a run-heavy Ravens team that could just control the clock, limiting total play volume for the Rams offense. I'm expecting this game to be kind of gross, but I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna like make an argument for the Rams, Kyron Williams is seeing like Todd Gurley type level touches in terms of his rush share and his uh, usage in the backfield as a pass catcher. The matchup is not great for sure, uh, and the they could have trailing game script where we could see more of the the pass catching skill set be leaned on. But I mean, I, I just don't have really anything positive to say about the Rams entering this matchup. I think this is a game where the, the Ravens roll. They're fresh coming out of their bye week. And Jim Harbaugh has some amazing stats against the bye, uh, coming off the bye. Um, really, really expecting the Rams to fall short here. Cooper Cup, of course, uh, looks a little less than 100%. His numbers have mm -hmm. been down. And speaking of stud receivers dealing with injuries, Tyler, Justin Jefferson is, is set to return uh, this week for the uh, Minnesota Vikings. They're on the road at Las Vegas. Uh, I mentioned those columns that you have kind of breaking down the wide receivers and some of the matchups going into the weekend. Uh, for a DFS player, uh, the idea of immediately turning to Justin Jefferson, you're kind of positive in that line of thinking, aren't you? True, yes. Usually I'm very apprehensive about returning to a player who's coming off IR, but we have to keep in mind that Jefferson was reportedly ready in week 12. They just decided to hold him out given their week 13 bye and just give him those extra two weeks to be fully 100%. He's practicing in full this week. Everything's pointing to him not being limited in any regard. He now gets to take on a Raiders defense that just jettisoned their top cornerback, Marcus Peters. This defense doesn't create consistent pressure. They rarely blitz. They just sit back in zone. And Jefferson, wide receiver seven in yards per route round against zone. I'm expecting him to just go off against the Raiders team, giving up the most fantasy points per game to outside receivers over the last month. Yeah, so Jefferson, jump on board that train. On the flip side of this position, Tyler, um, deeper on the wide receiver list, um, Elijah Moore of the Cleveland Browns. Um, Amari Cooper is still missing practices, still in protocol. We assume Flacco is going to be the quarterback again for the Browns. And it's worth noting Elijah Moore and Flacco looked pretty good last week. He could be the top dog this week. Is, is he overlooked in the matchup against Jacksonville? Yeah, these two flashed last week. I mean, 12 targets, 250-plus air yards. This is not the dink and dunk Elijah Moore we were seeing at the beginning of the year with like a 5.0 average depth of target. He's being used vertically. I wouldn't classify him as a sleeper anymore given the, the massive uh, outing he had last week in terms of potential. Um, but the matchup isn't bad at all for him against the Jaguars team. We just saw Jake Browning throw for 350 yards against his Jaguar secondary on Monday Night Football. I think Elijah Moore gets going here. He's a he's a solid wide receiver three to me this week. What kind of wide receiver action are we going to get this week, Tyler, out of the Texans versus the Jets? We got two things. We got people in the fantasy space that don't ever want to have a wide receiver face the Jets. They think that's the dumbest idea ever. Then we have people on the other side that think CJ Stroud's a league MVP. So now we've got these two things going up against each other. Tank Dell's obviously out. You know, Collins has been getting crazy volume the last couple of weeks, even with Dell on the field. We assume Noah Brown, okay. Talk to us about the receiving core of the Texans and what your thought process is going with them this week up against the Jets. Yeah, loss of Tank Dell really stinks. Uh, this guy was, he is having a special rookie season. Very unfortunate for that fractured fibula. Um, moving forward, I imagine we'll see more routes from Noah Brown, who looked great. Like I think it was weeks 9 and 10. He had 150-plus receiving yards back-to-back. -back. But those were really on big gains. The Jets are phenomenal at limiting those big explosive plays. So I'm projecting this to be more of a Nico Collins-type matchup. 
or a game where they lean on the run and hit the tight end quite a bit. Uh, usually that's how you want to attack the Jets, the ground game and the tight end over the middle. Um, Nico, I guess, makes sense if you want to like play that angle. He'll, he'll have some tough matchups on the outside, but how do you either bench this guy? Like He's been playing phenomenal ball. I think 190-plus yards this past week. Uh, I'm going right back to the well here. If I'm in a seasonal format, for DFS purposes, he's going to have zero ownership. And when you can get a guy like that, I think he's very, very interesting from a contrarian lens. Tyler Beaker uh, hanging out with us. Uh, I want to bring in a couple of questions that we've gotten in the room, and Ray will get your take. Tyler, yours as well. Uh, Joel just timed in with a half point PPR. We were talking about Kyron Williams, uh, but also David Montgomery, Javante Williams, DJ Moore. Um, I guess we're only getting one of these, Tyler. Now, again, uh, this is a pretty small league. Uh, these guys should all be starting everywhere. I mean, I'm looking at those three running backs, and I can't imagine uh, they're outside of anybody's top 20 for this week. And DJ Moore has actually been quite good this season. So small league, you're kind of throwing a dart. I guess we're asking who has the best matchup of those four possibilities. I'm going to go with DJ Moore just for the ceiling upside. He has averaged 22.4 fantasy points per game in his seven full games with um, Justin Fields under center. Excuse me. I think he's just a phenomenal play. The Bears are at home. They're coming off by. I, I like the matchup for him here against a Detroit secondary that has not been great in terms of preventing the pass. They're, they're a team you want to throw against. That's the way uh, I want to lean. Okay, trigger finger talking about the Jags. And again, they're against Cleveland this week. So I don't know how much this is for this week. Maybe it's for the future. But the idea of we don't have Christian Kirk. He's out. Does Ridley get a big boost here? Does Zay Jones, who's, I guess, questionable at this point, he's been limited in practices. How's this Jaguars offense going to work? And and we need to let everyone know, Tyler, who, who breaks all this stuff down, when we look at the Jags this year and how this works, that is all with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, out right now, we're, we're kind of guessing as to how things will work with C.J. Beathard. So on the surface, Tyler, this is really difficult to answer just because not only are we eliminating a stud receiver – from the equation, but we're eliminating the starting quarterback from the equation as well. True. And I was amazed to see Trevor Lawrence back in practice, limited fashion, but just the fact that he was back there practicing, very, very good sign that this not being a long-term issue. One thing I do want to note is CJ Beathard leaned on Evan Ingram quite a bit. And when, when he took over last week on Monday Night Football, I think it was six of 14 of his attempts went to Ingram. So we could be looking at that as the, the player we want to prioritize not looking at Zay, uh, Zay Jones to step up, not looking at Parker Washington. Calvin Ridley's role probably isn't going to change much. I think it's really Evan Ingram that's probably going to benefit the most. Uh, when we look at the the Chiefs and Bills game this week, Tyler, wow, right? That's ooh, that's got so much excitement, so many players on both sides. Bills coming back from a bye, having to win this football game. What pops in this matchup with the Bills and the Chiefs? Uh, we've got guys on both sides that are performing. We've got guys on both sides that are underperforming, some health issues. What do you see uh, as something that we should be discussing with that Bills and Chiefs game? Well, one thing that I was really interested in is that both these defenses, they tend to play back with cover two in terms of their having two safeties deep. Um, that generally opens up some things in terms of uh, slot receivers or tight ends, and it allows some production on the outside for some of the vertical wideouts whenever they're able to find that little hole between the corner and the safety. Gabe Davis is a guy that I kind of want to lean on in this matchup. He's been really tough to trust. And I think we really just want to kind of hone in on the matchups where there's the potential for him to have a ceiling outing. This is that kind of game to me. Um, Steve Spags, he's been like their defensive coordinator, I think for five seasons. So that includes one of those games where we saw Gabe Davis go for 200 yards and four touchdowns in the postseason. 
not calling that that's an outlandish uh, recommendation but i do think gabe's an, an interesting name here for people that have been on the fence about who to play in their wide receiver four or flex position uh, other than that i mean travis kelsey yes rashi rice yes stefan diggs yes dalton kincaid yes like start your guys in this matchup what, what about clyde edwards hilaire if there is no isaiah pacheco Ooh, great question. Uh, Bills have been boomer bust in their run defense. Like they'll hold backs for under five yards for quite a bit, but they're also susceptible to gains of 10 plus. Not sure that's really Clyde Edwards Hilaire game. That's more of a Pacheco game uh, mm -hmm. in terms of the ability to break off a bigger one. Uh, but I mean, if you're in a game with a 48 point game total, I imagine you're going to want to start Pacheco as a maybe like a back end RB2 or top yeah. end RB3 flex got a shoulder injury we'll see if he's out there that is a late game on sunday as well so hopefully we get some strong information today maybe pacheco's out there and maybe saturday we get some further uh reporting but uh, that could be a question mark going into the weekend uh tyler a pleasure man great stuff uh love when we can get you on uh column tomorrow night i guess looking ahead to sunday and all the uh, game scripts and such correct yes that'll be on the website fantasyguru.com usually posted around between 4 p.m eastern and 5 p.m eastern Sounds good. Tyler, enjoy the weekend, man. Uh, enjoy the playoffs as well as yes, we get rolling in that in fantasy. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay, buddy? All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Tyler Beaker uh, joining us uh, here on Fantasy Sports Daily. And, you know, Ray, there, there are some injury issues. We were talking about the Jags. Um, what are we hearing? Doug Peterson, I guess, talking about Trevor Lawrence this morning, right? I mean, yeah. Doug Peterson's basically saying he's going to be a game-time decision. Now, <laughs> okay. Okay, I mean, everything we saw, everything that's being reported is he's got no chance to play, okay? Yeah. Even if he's out there, are you confident? I wouldn't be confident. No I'm not way. playing him this week. So no way. It, it, yeah. it would be good for the team, I guess, in theory, right? The receivers and such. But you, this is a non-story for me. He's not know, starting. You know, there are probably people out there, Ray, who are looking, well, do I go DeVito or – I mean, this sounds crazy. Right. And to them, I get it. It's going to be like, God, Trevor Lawrence, am I really – he's out there? And I'm like – with this injury, Ray, if they're throwing him out there, I think it's kind of ridiculous if the Jags were to do that. I wouldn't expect anything. I mean, you've got an immobile quarterback. Let's just say that. Going up against the Browns. <laughs> Yeah, I think I would go Tommy DeVito well, over Trevor Lawrence. And we've been critical at times over the Jaguars and how they've handled things and Lawrence himself and all that. To me, unless if Trevor Lawrence is active, he better be running around. If Trevor yeah. Lawrence is out there with a brace the size of Missouri on his leg and moving around like Joe Flacco, that is an epic fail by the coaching staff, putting a player in dangerous way against an opponent that can smash him. This is your franchise quarterback. Mm -hmm. You think you're making the playoffs. You got a chance. You you can't do this. So yeah. I, this is one of those scenarios where we can hear all these reports from the team. I would be literally stunned. Like I'd be stunned if he was out there this week. Cause I think it'd be coaching malpractice in, in addition to just being a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, CJ Bethard, who, who we assume would start has been dealing supposedly with a shoulder issue this week. He's been limited. So I, and the Jaguars, if you to believe the comments have no idea who's going to be their quarterback on Sunday, which is not a good spot to be in. Some other injury news, um, Zach Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker, both of them were back at practice on Thursday. Uh, so it's looking like both will be available. But again, that's against San Francisco. Can't really love that matchup for either guy. Uh, Thursday's DMPs, we talked about Pacheco with the shoulder. Brees Hall got a Thursday DMP with the ankle. Amari Cooper still not practicing protocol there. Uh, let's see, Christian Watson. That's a tough one. Uh, 
Ray, I would say he's going to be out Monday. And because it's a Monday, I know Watson has, what, four touchdowns in the last two weeks. He's kind of back to, to those gloriful, uh, glory moments of 2022. But I'm not sitting around waiting on that. I I, I think you move on and, and leave Watson on your bench this weekend. Yeah, you could wait if you had Dubs or if you had Reed. Now, I don't know why you'd be carrying multiple Packers. What about Jalen Hyatt, who the Packers are playing the Giants? I mean, you could. My my With... Watson and all the issues he's had with his legs, I I wouldn't be expecting him to play. And even if he's out there, I mean, who's to say he doesn't run seven routes and blows it out, right? So yeah, I'm in agreement with you. The only I, I wouldn't play Watson. I'll just say it that yeah. way. I would. I just I can't. Even if he's out there and active, I I can't feel good about starting him. Well, and history says when a team goes, uh, we hope he's back sooner rather than later. I mean, you're kind of thinking a week or two that he's out when, when yeah. you hear that from the coaching staff. Uh, Taysom Hill did not practice on Thursday. Uh, foot and hand issues there. Tyler Higby with a neck. Uh, limited on Thursdays, ETN, Geno Smith, Derek Carr with the concussion. Uh, but he is practicing. That doesn't mean he's good to go. He's still in the protocol. Part of getting out of that protocol is seeing how you react to a little bit of exercise. So they did that yesterday. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon both are limited on Thursday. Again, they play on Monday. Uh, and Jaden Reed, who Ray talked about with the Packers, all those guys limited with the Monday night game against the Giants. By the way, we have two Monday nighters. You've got the Packers and the Giants. You have the Titans and the Dolphins. So a double dip of Monday night action there. Uh, let's get you some uh, answers to questions that have been posed in the chat room. Al, uh, Zay Flowers, DeAndre Swift, or Drake London in the flex? I will not go London. No way, no how. And Ray, I'm not going to go Zay Flowers either. I, DeAndre Swift to me is an every week starter with the way he's been used last year or last year, last week was a little unfair with how that game went. He just kind of got lost in the shuffle and the, the Eagles never really got a roll going after the first quarter. That one's not too difficult for me. I'm going to go DeAndre Swift. Well, I think there's a couple things. One, Swift has got that undisclosed injury from the Niner game. I don't think it's a big deal. Okay. He got popped late in the game. Okay. Yeah. He's practicing um, though, right? I mean, he yeah, has yeah, yeah. I mean, they haven't, I don't think, I haven't really seen what the injury was. I think it's the old hockey undisclosed. I don't think they've even set up for a lower body like hockey does. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, we did get the report that the, they need to reestablish the run. And we talked about this earlier this week on the show that that's not, we need to run the ball more because they're running the ball a lot. That's that they need to get the running backs more involved. Maybe that means we get a two-yard touchdown for DeAndre Swift instead of the tush-push thing. I don't know. Maybe. I think that Swift this week is lower than we've had him any week this season in the rankings. I think he's got 22 at running back. Um, I'm still going to favor Swift over Flowers. Uh, I'd like to have Flowers active. I think he's an ideal wide receiver three, but I'll go Swift in this one. David uh, looking for defensive help. Uh, Packers, Texans, are Saints. All three of them are in good spots. Uh, Green Bay gets the Giants, Texans get the Jets, and uh, the Saints have Carolina. I'm a, I'm leaning towards the Saints here, Ray. I, I'm a proponent of who's the quarterback and where are you playing. And they're playing in the Superdome against Bryce Young. I get a home team defense against a quarterback who's been a little bit better with not turning the ball over. But still, he, he he has like four or five pick sixes. Maybe it's three or four that he's thrown this year. He had a stretch of like three straight games. I'll take that chance, Ray, and go with the Saints in this matchup against the Panthers. Yeah, I'm going to say the Packers. I'm going to follow the rankings over at fantasyguru.com. But I will say that the Packers, the Texans, and the Saints are all top 10 defenses according to our rankings. So mm -hmm. I think all of them are viable. 
Uh, this question's been asked in in, in Discord over at FantasyGuru.com, and I don't remember who it was. Someone this morning was saying, I'm getting contradictory answers. Well, yeah, you're getting contradictory. <laughs> one guy, one team's six, one's eight, one's ten. They're all kind of the same. I just gave you another contradictory answer. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, you know, this – and team defense, if we're – spelling it out it's not an exact science yeah. right so all of them are in play i'd go the packers but they're all in play the team defense because i've been doing this for years and most people know this i just jump around from team to team the difficulty this year is there are so many bad quarterbacks and bad offenses yeah. there's too many options it's not obvious yeah. <laughs> every week you're looking at three or four defense which is good but and, and even if you miss it, the idea still stands, right? Let, let's say you're looking at four or three defenses here like David was. You know, okay, you're, you have a decent shot of missing, of choosing the wrong defense because, you know, a pick six happens at the end of the game. You know, something stupid like that, and, and that causes you to miss. But overall, the, the idea, Ray, that you can do this week in, week out, it's still there. And and it's it's better than just drafting a defense early and holding them no matter the matchup and saying that, uh, oh, I, I don't care – um, you know, who they're playing or I'm going to roll with the best defense in fantasy football. When when the every single year, Ray, the best defense in fantasy football is purely because of how many touchdowns they got, which is hugely unpredictable. Um, we've had years. I remember the classic where the Bears what was it five, six years ago, just were going crazy with pick sixes and picking up fumbles for touchdowns. And they blew away the entire field in fantasy scoring that year. They were great. It meant nothing the following year because as soon as things went back to normal, Ray, they went back to normal. There was nothing special about the Bears. Um, it's it, The only thing you can do is look at the matchups and look who you're facing. I mean, that's all you can do this year. I mean, you've got a bounty of options every single week. I'm in a 16-team league, and Ray, every week there are three or four defenses I'm bidding a dollar on. And I don't care which one I get. I feel good about all of them in their matchups. You're totally right that there are options now. There weren't in the past, at least not as many options because of all the poor offenses, quarterback changes, all of that. Uh, I had someone ask a question in Discord of me this morning at fantasyguru.com, and they said, hey, you know, I need to answer the defense question. Defense doesn't score up to 40 points in my league. And I'm like, <laughs> we got a problem if your defense is scoring 40 points. Like, your system is wrong. It's a quarter point for every tackle. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> On the other side of things, I'm in a league where I have the Cleveland Browns, who are a great defense. Yeah. And they average just under seven points a week, which mm -hmm. is like, okay, team defense is terrible. We, we should outlaw team defense. I, I uh, think what's in, in this, you know, we, we talk about things like this all the time, but I almost feel like, like, I understand you, you should get a lot of points for a pick six or, you know, go and get in a touchdown. It, it changes the scoreboard. You know, it's a big momentum play, but we give such a emphasis on those moments ray yeah and i feel there's not near the emphasis on the fact that wow they only gave up 10 points in the game like to me yeah. if i'm holding an nfl offense to 10 or fewer points that is much more impressive than picking up a fumble and racing 40 yards for a touchdown i feel like in a lot of leagues you have you know the points allowed bonus mm -hmm. or whatever but i feel like you know and usually it's it's pretty minimal in the leagues i'm in ray it's you know, maybe you get four or five points if you hold the team under 10. I feel like you should get 10 points if you hold a team under 10. And and I know this year it's like, well, everybody is holding teams under 10. But I, I really feel like that should be the big play, not the pick six. It should be, wow, for 60 minutes, you only gave up seven points on the scoreboard to the opposing offense. Yeah, like I'm looking at that league uh, with the Browns I have. They held the Titans to three points, right? 
and like 300 yards of offense, they got eight points that week in the mm-hmm. fantasy space. It's like you held the team to three points, you dominated, and they did nothing. Uh, you had they had five sacks in that game, five yeah. in my, in my scoring system. They got eight points. Yeah, <laughs> randomly picking up a fumble and taking it in the end zone is worth six points. Five sacks get you eight. So yeah. yeah, the scoring is all wrong. It's all random. As you said, you gave that great example of how one year we're here, the next year we're not because we didn't have four pick yeah. sixes that we had the year before. Um, if we're going to use team defense, we at least need to do a better job of scoring wise. Because I think most of the setups don't do a good job of that. On the way out the door, somebody, Joel just asked about Dalton Schultz. Um, he wasn't at practice yesterday. I think I think the they, they didn't spot him, in effect, and did not practice. Questionable, I would say, with Schultz. And iffy. Um, and, and that's something where you can probably look at your waiver wire, maybe find a random tight end. Just have that in your back pocket ready to go on Sunday morning. Schultz kind of profiles as a guy, Ray, that we're not going to know until the actives and inactives come out at, like, you know, 1130 Eastern on Sunday morning. Yeah, that might end up being the case. I'm on Twitter Sunday mornings at SiriusXM Fantasy from 10 to 1 Eastern uh, answering questions. Schultz did practice on Wednesday and then wasn't seen yesterday. So is this a rest? Yeah. Uh, was this a, a setback? We don't know. We need to see more information today. And again, uh, just had to keep tuned to those uh, reports on the health of players to see if the Dalton Schultz, fingers crossed, is active this week. Hamstring uh, is the issue there with Schultz. Okay, that will take us to the end on a Friday as we get you set for week 14. Big thank you to Tyler Beaker for hanging out with us for a few minutes. Also, a huge thank you to everybody there in the chat room. Great to hear from you guys. Uh, week 15, rocking and rolling. Uh, we got uh, two teams on by Arizona and Washington. Uh, good luck to everybody who's still trying to make the playoffs or if your playoffs have begun. Uh, Good luck here. Ray and I will be back next Monday, 11 a.m., and uh, we will dig into everything that happened on Sunday, all that matters. And we will take a preview of the uh, big doubleheader. Is it big, Ray? Tennessee, Miami, Giants, Packers. Ah, It's It's a doubleheader. It's a doubleheader. And NFL, yeah, I'll take away the word big. We can't include that. Uh, But that will do it for us today. Always head into Discord. we got columns coming out throughout the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, tons of DFS inside. Got live streams coming your way. We got cheat sheets. Ray's going to probably be breaking down a Shohei Atani signing. You, th- you think it'll happen in the next uh, 24 to 48, Ray? The the non, non, non-scientific, unscientific reports uh, suggest it's possible. Let's hope it does. Let's hope baseball really gets going. We need to get something big. We got too many of these little things going on here in baseball. And you say there's a private flight from Anaheim to... To Toronto, right now. there is, and is he that's based very out of Anaheim? I mean, couldn't Shohei Otani be hanging out in like Boise, Idaho, right now? Well, he, he could be in Hawaii for all I know. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm just saying we're, we're connecting dots that may not quite be connectable. Yeah, maybe it's just some random girls' weekend leaving Anaheim and they're flying to Toronto. <laughs> that may be all that we're seeing there, but uh, hopefully, something will happen with Otani. Like I said, uh, that could loosen things up with baseball free agency. Uh, Ray, have a great weekend, and we'll do it again on Monday, okay? Sounds good, Cal. Ray Flowers, Eric Kyle, all Frank here. We will catch you on Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern. More of Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.